0: I want to lead well. Um, I'm not the smartest. I wish I was smarter. Not the most talented. I wish I was more talented. Not the brightest. I wish I had way more insight than I do. I wish I was way more creative than I am. Um, I, I, but I, I just know that one day I will stand before God to give an account for my leadership. And that day, I want to look at Him and say, I I did the best I could. Mm. I, I, I swung for the fence. I dreamed as big. I risked. I stepped out of the boat. I, I faced Goliaths. I walked in the fiery f- furnace. I, I I I wanted to you to know that I I love this idea of the local church, and I want to serve. Him.
1: Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. My name is Greg Hackathon. I hope you all are doing well. Today we are blessed to be joined by a wonderful leader within the Pentecostal movement. Tim Zuniga is the senior pastor of Goodlitzville Pentecostal Church in Goodlitzville, Tennessee, and that's a town that's just outside Nashville, Tennessee. He is a great preacher and a dynamic leader who has a unique insight on leadership, and I was happy to get him onto the podcast to talk about it. I had a wonderful time talking with him and left with a better perspective on life and leadership. Before we get to the conversation, I do want to encourage you to share this with a friend if you get something out of it. I know you will. I definitely got something out of it, so share it with somebody, allow it to bless them as well. Also, if you have time to rate and review the show where you listen to it, I would greatly appreciate that. That gives me some feedback it also makes it easier for others to discover the podcast. With all that taken care of, let's get to this conversation with Tim Zuniga.
2: Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Hey, Greg, I'm just uh, honored to be here with you and uh, looking forward to our conversation.
2: I've really been looking forward to this ever since uh, you said yes to coming on. I've always enjoyed chatting with you, and it's always a great time spending any time with uh, Brother Zuniga.
0: Well, that's very kind. Uh, When the invitation came across, it's like instantly, anything for the hack. Anything (laughs) for the hack, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm ready to go, for sure.
2: Uh, Well, for those of you who may not know Brother Zuniga, he's a pastor of a church in uh, Goodlitzville, Tennessee. He's a wonderful man of God. We had him out a few years ago to Australia uh, to minister at our Ministers and Leaders Retreat, and we snuck him over to the Pentecostals of Sydney for one of our morning services, and uh, that was a delight to have you with us, and we can't wait to have you back.
0: Yeah, that was a just a really um, fascinating trip. Just enjoyed every ounce of the details and all the experiences and all the great things that Australia and you wonderful people uh, give. And it was just fascinating. Uh, But probably the richest thing is just the connections, the relationships, the friendships uh, that was birthed out of that. And obviously this is an outcropping of that as well. So uh, yeah, certainly we're very thankful for that.
2: I didn't know if you were gonna reference our three day tour of the uh, Sydney fish markets. You're, you know,
0: that, that was an adventure. You know, I did say it was an adventure. And so, yeah, and there's multiple ways of getting to get into one place. But, yeah, we, we saw it from every angle.
2: <laughs> that was like five minutes or ten minutes after picking you up from the airport, you and your wife, you just traveled over. And, oh, man, that was a, that was a crazy day. It was a fun day, but crazy. I, I've never had that much problems finding the entrance to a place. <laughs> Well, good thing we trusted you because,
0: again, we're totally lost where we're going. But obviously, uh, man, it was just a great talk. just a fantastic day.
2: Well, I like to uh, start off these conversations with the listeners getting to know you a bit, getting to know a bit of your background. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a bit of uh, your story, how you grew up, that sort of thing. It'd be great if we could get to know you a bit more, Brother Zuniga.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm originally from San Diego. My family, um, again, all still most of them still there in the San Diego area. And uh I'm the youngest of five children. My dad, ironically, uh came from a family of twenty-two children. Oh, wow. uh three sets of twins. Three sets of twins. My dad is the youngest set of twins. And um unfortunately my father passed away this year with, by COVID. And uh, just been a, just uh, a a journey that our family is on. And, um, but we, we come from California. We, we originally, again, come from a Catholicism, a Catholic background, just staunch Catholics. And again, so many different memories regarding that faith. And um, when my mom and dad were newly married, my aunt, my dad's sister gave them a Bible study. And that's how we came into the church, uh, from a Catholic background. Came to the church. We were the family that no one wanted to be, uh, or not around, but no one wanted to be invite us. Uh, we were known as destructive and, oh. and unruly. Uh, my mother had three kids by the time she was uh, nineteen years old, and and so we were. We would say almost uh, facetiously, you know, we could break down a German tank in the dark. You know, we, we were that kind of kids. We have so many memories of, of, you know, broken windows of my dad got to the point where he got done, you know, fixing windows and, and he just put plywood on the, on the windows, you know, so that was our family. You know, we didn't go out to eat after church. We, we'd come home and, uh, we were, we were not, wealthy at any means. We were were a family that needed help. In fact, there was a family that picked up my mom and my three older brothers and sisters and took them to church. It was because of the love of the church that our family is in church today. I'm forever grateful for families that take new families and maybe those that are a little bit uh, misfortunate or, or under-resourced and, um, and just love them and support them and and walk the journey of faith, disciple them, because that's our story. Mm-hmm. That That's how we begin. And again, now, all five of us, uh, my brothers and sisters are in church. All of us work for God. My sister and her husband pastor, and I obviously pastor. But I have a, just a deep appreciation for the relationship the community of this wonderful thing called the church um it's what redeemed my family it's what changed our family forever um and i will be forever grateful for that um so that's kind of a little bit of my early upbringing you know i i how i take a step you know from where that beginning and what god was doing in my life uh, again it it was just interesting to see how God connected all the dots. I was a guy that was really wanting to succeed. I was just had that mindset. You know, one day I wanted to drive a BMW. I wanted to wear Gucci suspenders. You know, I, I I was the guy that that was after the image and really worked hard. I, I went hard into business. I, I, that's where my education began. really wanted to be successful in business until God got a hold of my heart, really transformed me. And, um, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, again, there's so much to that story, but I can tell you it's all because it's all because of a church. And church is not a building; it's people that love you, believe in you, breathe life into you, welcome you, cultivate things out of you. Um, we're a product of, the, of of a church, a local church. That's the our family story. Uh, I'm forever grateful for it.
2: Mm. So you hinted at it a little bit there that you first started your pursuit towards getting into business and, and going yeah. after those sort of goals, and then something happened. So when did you first feel the call to ministry? When did you first feel the call to, you know, preaching and uh, being a, a minister of the gospel?
0: Yeah, you know, when I look back, it's obviously easier to look back and just see the the, the points. Um, I, I just knew, you know, at looking back that I had a heart for God, but it wasn't sold out. I was never like backslid, never left the church, but that doesn't mean I was in church, you know? And, um, but I can tell you there was some crucible moments. Um, one of them being at a, a youth convention and the preacher is preaching and he's really making a call for ministry, the call of God. And I remember uh, I was around 12 or 13 years old, and I remember that tug I felt in my heart and um, that sensitivity, that draw. And I went to the altar, and, and literally I knelt down in the first seat. It was theater seats, and so I, I knelt down in the theater seat, and I literally just said this prayer, God, um, I don't know if you're calling me, but I'm going to count to three. And uh, if someone doesn't come and tell me what I'm asking or saying to you, I'm going to get up, and I'm never going to come and answer the call again. And literally, I began one, two, and as soon as I said three, uh, there was somebody that came put their hand on my head and just started praying, saying the words that I had just told God. It scared me. In fact, I, I looked at the shoes of the individual, you know, and and, and for the rest of that conference, I, I, looked at, I was going around the conference looking at shoes, you know, like, who was that? I mean, who was that? Because it was so real. I, I remember that. And, and from the, those moments, uh, again, just trying to live for God, but fighting my own will, wanting to be successful in business, wanting to, to really live that life that, that had means and, and wealth and whatever that entailed. Until one day I was, I was in college and this guy, uh, name it, his name was Brother Klon. Brother Klon was really a IBM apprentice. He was in the CEO kind of uh, trajectory. They were grooming him to be a real key leader in IBM, and he told a story about how he just gave his life to God, surrendered his future, his career, his desire, and uh, became a pastor and an evangelist, and he was at our church, and he was sharing his testimony. That night, it it was a holy moment for me. Uh, I, I remember going to the altar and saying, God, I will be whatever you want me to be. I, I surrender. I will do your will for my life. Uh, it was a moment that you lose track of time and space. You, you It's a holy moment. Part of Tim Zinniga died in that moment. There's, there's a tombstone at that altar because I got up and I was never the same again. God did something in my heart. Um, again, as I recall it, it still touches me very deeply because it changed my life, my passions, my desires. Uh, I was re- enrolled in college at the time, and I felt like the Lord challenged me and said, if if you don't go to Bible school, you will never go. If you don't go now, you will never go. And uh, I remember going to Bible school late because I was already enrolled for the semester. I had to go and, 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 you know, counsel all my classes and get out of that and make the move to go to Bible school. And uh, as my pastor wisely instructed me, not knowing what that meant, never saw myself as a pastor, never saw myself as a minister. I was just trying to honor what God was doing in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Wanted to do great things with my life, wanted to make a difference. Um, Always dreaming, always hungry for more, always desiring all that life could bring, all that you could produce. And again, I'm still really Uh, orientate around just business thinking i love talking that kind of thinking that kind of language that kind of ideas and um and and so really just my pastor said you need to to take one year at a time uh don't put too much on you and so one year turned into four years and even in my senior year at bible school not knowing what that meant never saw myself as a pastor but honestly just always just saying god whatever you ask, every step of the journey, there are crucible moments, moments that another part of you dies. And, and again, I could take you to places, actual locations where I remember praying this prayer, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I, I will say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. My life is no longer mine. I belong to you. Man, those are meaningful, deep mm-hmm. moments. They're, they're not just the right words. When they come from a heart in the place of sincerity and truth, they 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 mar you. You you're never the same. You walk with a limp. You walk differently. Mm-hmm. Your mindset's differently. And those were those moments that I felt God just begin to shape my heart. And um, I remember uh, I was 34 years old, and I remember it was Christmas Day. My birthday is actually December 24th, the day before Christmas. And I remember it was on a Sunday, and I was in church in Stockton. Again, I felt a growing sense that God was calling me to lead a local church. i never pastored before. And I literally remember saying this prayer. Uh, On my birthday, 34, I said, Lord, before I turn 35, I would love to know the town, the time, and the team. If you can just let those things take place, um, again, I'm willing. Within the next nine months, situations and things begin to shift where where I find myself invited to come and pastor Villainsville Pentecostal Church, wow. all the way in Tennessee. Uh, I lived in California all my life, thought I would live and die in California. But I re- remember um, there was a, at a, because of the times, there was a, the last night, Brother Jeff Arnold was preaching, just a powerful message. I don't even remember the message, but I just remember the moment. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were at the altar, we were praying, and uh, a prophetess came and laid her hands on my wife and I, and said uh, four words. And and the four words have been forever like a north star for us. It, it's been a, a mooring that we just kind of anchored to. It's been something that has kept us. She said four words. She said, it will find you. It will find you. And um, I knew what she meant. That same prophetess, I was preaching one time, and she came to me afterwards, and she said, God showed me two doors and both of those are churches and you will have to choose which one. Again, mind you, I never pastored before. Mm. This was all just trying to kind of unfolding and yet it happened exactly like that. There was a church in California that opened up and they, our district came to us and said, if you would like to pass through this church, you you don't even have, we will, you can take this church, a building, nice location, all of that. Um, My wife and I packed up our two young kids and, we drove around that town and uh, didn't feel a no, but didn't feel a yes. Mm. But I remember the day that I walk in and uh, I, there's a back then we had answering machines <laughs> and then my answer machine light was blinking that there was a message there. I, I hit the button and it's this pastor, uh, brother Carson from Goodlitzville, Tennessee. He said, brother Zuniga. He said, I'd like for you to call me. Uh, I, I just want to ask you something. Well, to make a long story short, I had just preached for a him a couple of months ago uh, at that time. And, um, you know, I thought he was calling, like, saying, hey, you know, you blew it so bad. <laughs> Do you have anybody else that can come clean up what you did, you know? But, but I promise you, instantly I knew what he wanted. And that night, I go to bed, and I begin to dream. I mean, I, I see myself talking to ushers and teams and, and, and casting vision. I mean, I, I see myself I, it's like I tossed and turned that whole night, but it was so magical. It was so special. It was so amazing. It's like, man, that that you could do this for the local church. Like Mm -hmm. you you can lead something that's so eternal and special and wow. And and man, it's like my spirit soared. And, and I get up that night and, and, and I thought, God, man, I don't know if I just had a bad night's sleep. I don't know if that's real. But whenever you call me, I want to feel that wherever you ask me to go, I I want that feeling Mm. and um, called him back. And um, he 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 asked me to come and I'll I'll share this because this is so important for for those that may be needing direction for their life. Um, He said, Brother Zuniga, he said, why don't you come and um, why don't you assist me? Okay, assist me. Well, at that time, I just knew that God was was just challenging me to, to be a senior leader, a pastor. But there's no way I'm going to tell this guy, hey, dude, listen, I'm only coming if I can pastor your church. That's right. You know, there's no way. So I, I'm, I'm thinking and, and, and praying and, you know, he says, why don't you just come out? We'll, t- we'll talk. So I, we, Julie and I fly out here to, to Goodlitzville and um, we're in the evangelist quarters and I'm talking to my pastor just asking for his blessing, asking for guidance, wisdom, just kind of talking the process through Don't want to misstep, don't want to miss it, but certainly want to be in the will of God. As I'm talking to my pastor on the phone, he's at camp meeting in California. My wife pulls out a, a sheet of paper and writes on it. She says, are you coming as pastor? So again, we, we the, the Carsons come to pick us up for dinner. And so I, I hang up with my pastor. We walk out of the evangelist court, I, I sit in the front seat with, with him and Julie jumps in the back seat with Sister Carson. He, he goes to turn on the car. It's like he leans forward to turn the key, okay? And as soon as he, like, it's about to turn over, he pauses, he sits back in the seat and he says, Brother Zinnica, he said, I was sitting on my couch today, this afternoon. He said, and the Lord told me, you need to come as pastor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm telling you, it's like, I I look at Julie and I'm thinking, that's that's unbelievable. I I would never tell him that. I would I would never say I would ne- that would be arrogant. It would be crazy of me to 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 say that. But that's exactly what happened, and it was like God confirmed to me, confirmed to me that that it will find you. Mm. That you don't have to blow up things for the will of God. You're, you're not gonna have to kick doors down. That that if you live humbly, and sincerely, and in, in a servant mindset before God, God can get you where you need to be. So that's a long answer to your question. Yeah. How did I get here? But there are so many details that are yeah. so meaningful to me.
2: Yeah, and it's it's an amazing story and it's a testament to the influence and the power of the church at every step of the way. You know, Um, I was just thinking back to your initial response to the call of God. What would have happened if an altar worker that you don't even know, you know, someone who's just praying for people at a youth convention, what would have happened if they wouldn't have responded to, you know, God's direction to pray for a young man? Uh, And then just seeing the hand of God throughout your life. It's an amazing story and uh thank you for sharing that with us now off the back of that you kind of hinted at it a little bit that you know trusting in god that sort of thing but what is some advice that you would give to a a young man or young lady or even an you know middle-aged man middle-aged lady who are feeling the call of god or responding to the call of god and taking those first steps towards ministry what sort of advice would you give them
0: yeah um you, you know, I, I think, honestly, I, we, we tell best from our own stories and from our own uh, failures and, and you know, successes. But um, when I look back, I think a couple of things just are very glaring to me that God helped me. And, and again, I, I think are so important still. And that whatever I was asked to do, I gave my heart to it. Um, I was all in. It, it, there was no motive. There was no... Like okay, if I do this well, then I'll get this promotion, or someone you will recognize. It was like, no, it's a privilege to lead. It's a, it's a it's an honor to be involved. It's it's a it's a, man, it's it's like winning the lottery that you get to play a role in the kingdom of God. And so there was there was always this just whatever was in my hands, I was going to do it to the best of my ability. Whether that was youth pastoring, whether that was teaching, leading, whatever it was. I, I was going to give my all, no holds bar, all in. I tried to, to leverage every ounce of, of, of whatever God would give me, abilities, talents, skills, and, and do that for the kingdom of God. And as those doors open, I simply walked through the doors. I just simply, God provided an opportunity I would walk through, and whatever that was, I would do it with sincerity and humility and grace uh, I think a couple of things are, are very important is that in every step of the journey that you honor that process. You 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 bring enough grace to that moment. You bring enough um, truth to that time because it, they're crucial. They're, they're, they're meaningful. They matter. And I mean by that more specifically is that you're, you're going to meet people in every season and every step. That you can blow them off. You can act like they're not important. You can discount them or you can truly honor them. And, and because decisions that affect your life really are made in rooms you're not in. And, and, and there, there are times that you will rub shoulders with people that know other people know other people and before you know it for instance let's just say you and I were in a conversation but you know I, I didn't really give you the time of day and I was disrespectful and then you know just maybe you know just you knew I didn't care about being with you uh you you and a friend were in a conversation and they were saying hey you know what about brother Zuniga and you would say you know I don't know you know I was with him one time and it just Felt like I was, you know. He I, there was really not that sincerity. There was not really that respect. There was really not that kindness. And who knows what would happen? Decisions that affect my life, your life, are really made in rooms we're not in, mm-hmm. and we don't always know who are in those rooms. But when we're kind and genuinely kind, I'm not talking about manipulative or some type of underhanded way of, of being a, you know, connecting the dots but truly just valuing people every step of the journey. There is so much richness that comes from that. Mm-hmm. So for those that are aspiring into ministry and whatever that means to climb the ladder in ministry, you're a servant first, L- love, love everyone that is around you. Value people that are around you. Uh, everyone is, has something to contribute to your life. You can learn with armed with enough humility, you can learn from, from anyone, and, and they can sense your sincerity and your true value of them. I think those things are so true. Mm-hmm. I think they, they help any person that truly aspires to be an effective leader, an effective minister of the gospel, that, that it's about people. It's about people and their lives and their journey and, and, and what, what God's doing in their life. So to me, I think those are some crucial things that, that just—, just man, make all the difference in the world.
2: And I can attest that you're not just teaching that or sharing that, but you live that. I know in my interactions with you and mm-hmm. and pretty much everyone that I know here that interacted with you, that they said, man, the Zunigas, they're incredible, like just really nice, uh, like actually genuinely care about you. You know, I remember talking to you about something and then uh a, a day later you know you remember the conversation and we're talking about it and of course you're an, a normal person just like me but uh when you're involved in leadership that really speaks to people that sort of uh, connectedness and and i'm just a, a joe blow in australia that, that you met uh, at a ministers and leaders retreat and yet you know we we're able to form this connection and that's so important that you don't take interactions for granted you don't take people for granted. But uh, you, you show the love of God in all of your interactions. And that point that you just made about that decisions that shape your life are made in rooms that you're not in is so true. It's so true. Yeah.
0: You, you, you know, um, I'll give you a very practical, and I, I tell leaders this all the time. Like it, it, Let's just say you were in a group of people, okay? I, I walk, I know you. I walk up to you and say, hey, man Greg, it's so good to see you you know and shake your hand and turn and walk away and never introduce or greet or say hello to the other people you were just talking with. Um, that bothers me. That, 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 I, I, I hate it when leaders do that. Whenever you hear here in church and I'm walking up to a group of people, I'm going to greet everybody in that group. I'm, I'm going to look them in the eye. I'm going to smile. I'm going to not because because uh, you know I, I want to be kind but because everyone needs to feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. They need to feel like they belong. There, there's a, a growing need in, in the souls of, of men and women that, that feel like, you know, do I, do I fit here? Do, do, do people recognize me? Do I count? Do I, mm-hmm. do I matter? And leaders have so much to say with creating a culture and environment where people feel like they can thrive, like they can live, they can breathe there, they can exist, they can contribute. And being kind and being authentic and real—and I don't really like that word authentic, but being being genuine, you know, yeah. just just really just just and because you're you, just because God loves you, and we're here together. I want you to know that. So those are those are just very meaningful to
2: me. So you mentioned that you are pastoring. We've mentioned a couple of times that you're pastoring in Goodlettsville. Yeah. You pastor Goodlettsville Pentecostal yeah. Church. How long yeah. have you been pastoring
0: there? Uh, just recently, last two weeks, it came up to my 18th uh, pastoral anniversary. So I, I've been here 18 years.
2: Oh, wow. 18 years. So are you a I Tennessean? Or? I'm all in. When I die,
0: bury me here in Tennessee. Yep, I'm a Tennessee Titans. You know, again, the college is still a little bit wishy-washy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Tennessee is my home, for sure.
2: Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I, I love following... Uh, you guys online, Goodlettsville, we, we keep up with what's happening on Instagram and Facebook. And I love seeing all that you guys are doing. You're constantly trying new things, doing new things around the church. And I love how you guys try and keep you know that connection online with, with, with your church members, but also the, the greater church community. What has been the catalyst for your growth as a church? What do you believe has been the catalyst for your growth as a church over the years?
0: Yeah, you know, that's a, a, a great question um, because, again, there's if you're a leader, you always desire more, okay? And at some point, it's not just about numbers. It's about health, okay? And, and so I, I really think part of it is that we strive to be a healthy church. That doesn't mean a perfect church. Um, health health is, is, has everything to do with the culture that you create, uh, the vision that you're casting, and the mission that you're on. Um, health is not something that you stumble into. It's, it's something that you work for. And so, um, again, I, I think someone said it like this. Um, organizations are as healthy as the senior most leader wants them to be. Mm. And, um, you know, we put up with a lot of dysfunction. Uh, one person said, the reason the church is not thriving or healthy is because we're too kind. We're too mm-hmm. kind. We, we don't want to have the tough conversation. We don't want to make the tough call. We, we don't want to change the things that really need to be changed to make the church thrive. So for us, I think we've created a culture that we want to be risk takers but more importantly, we want to be healthy. We we we're unapologetic, apostolic. We we mm-hmm. don't apologize for the message. We don't apologize for who we are. We're thankful for. We're privileged to know what we know. We're we're honored uh, to to have and to be blessed with the revelation that we have. And and so, but for us, I think we we are constantly trying to, as I could tinker. We're we're, we're trying to dial in and look at things and. Um, you know, it's a journey, and and part of it is is developing the right cultures so you can do that. So a couple of things, just to be very practical, what that means is, I, I think that we 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 bet on leaders. I think we're going to try to cultivate men and women to live out their God given destiny. We're going to do everything we can to allow them to to risk and fulfill that. And so we're going to try things. We're going we're going to uh, let things, um, you know, things happen that that probably may be challenging some things but we we believe in God partners with people and so we bet on leaders um, I think we have created a leadership culture meaning a team culture um, I'm the senior pastor I could I could I could do you know in reason whatever I, I feel like we need to do but rarely do I make a You know, use the pastor card and say, hey, I'm pastor. We're doing it this way because I'm pastor. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have great leaders and thinkers, great minds, talented and skilled individuals. It's a tragedy to, to not leverage that for the kingdom of God. Um, We, we, as I put it this way, you know, God didn't give us these people to compete with me. He gave them to compliment me. And when you can ornate as a as a team and when you have brilliance and people can shine and they can leverage their skills and they may be better, smarter, quicker, faster, greater than you. And and you're not intimidated by that because it's all for the glory of God. It's for the fame of Jesus. And uh, so I, I think people can can contribute here in a meaningful way. Um, we, we work hard at uh, trying to present uh, a transcendent move of God. We, we know the church offers something you can't get anywhere else, and we want to let that be true. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday, and that first Sunday, and it could be somebody's last Sunday, but whatever that is, we want to make sure that we're producing something that is truly good and something that can Transform their life and something that is deeply biblical and godly and anointed. We 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 really work hard on presenting the gospel and presenting it in a way that people can digest it, receive it. No matter if you're you know struggling or don't know God or you've been in church a long time, it, it just really matters to me that we try to do it well. Now, do we do it well all the time? No, we're imperfect. We flaw. We have flaws. We mess up but man, that's the constant drum but we want to make sure we're honoring God in all that we do and in um, the faith in God. That um, as I put it, I pray it like this, God, I pray it for an 81 mile radius, okay? An 81 mile radius around our church. If there's somebody that's hungry, thirsty, desiring more for God, if there's somebody we can reach and influence, then God, let us do that. Um, and we're gonna put all of our eggs in three baskets. And so in this new 20 months of of, of a of a test of the church this is this pandemic all that we've gone through is really a, a test for something that's to come and and we're going to put all of our eggs in three baskets and those baskets are we want an online experience that that touches people's lives that they're they they're glad they're there it ministers to them and so we we acknowledge that from the platform we acknowledge they're in the room we don't act like they're a fly on the wall we want them to have a great experience. Our other eggs is going to be in the basket of an on-campus experience, the best we can do that transforms lives. And then the third basket that we're going to put all eggs in is small groups. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to bat for connecting people in meaningful relationships all around our community that they can be discipled and thrive.
2: Those three things we're going to sell out to. Yeah, that's so good, especially... Moving forward, as you said, the challenge of these last twenty months. Moving forward, in the yeah. kingdom of God, all three of those phases are are vastly important. You need to have that online experience in case you get locked out again. There needs to be the in person per per normal that continues to be dynamic, and then obviously small groups in in case you know you have you can't meet at all and and right. something happens. There's a church in. Uh, have you heard of Tabernacle of Joy? Uh, pretty I much have. everyone has in Singapore. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. they're like they're the champions of small groups. They do a phenomenal job over there. Uh, we, yeah. I was able to go there a few years ago and and see their uh, system. And basically, like they had very very harsh lockdowns in Singapore. Uh, they were affected by it. The government over there isn't very democratic, but because he had that set up, he had these small groups where. Basically, every single person in the church is in a small group. He had that system set up and in place that they were able to uh, withstand that. Even, you know, going online for Zoom small groups, if they weren't able to gather, uh, you know, him ministering online, that sort of thing. Uh, That was a a really cool, it was really cool to see something that he had put in place thinking about these sorts of things years ago that actually was extremely vital uh, during the lockdowns.
0: I, I do believe that whatever the future holds, growth group is right in the middle of it for the mm. local church. Mm. I, I do think that we we need to continue to not just look at a model, but just have a mindset of small groups. I'll give you a good example of that. So when the pandemic hit and people were afraid to get with one another, connect, you know, we, we used the verse, literally, this was our anthem verse, where two or three are gathered together. We call them micro groups. We, we want you to get in a micro group. It could be your family, It could be people that you're already doing life with, you trust, but we want you to get into groups and we want you to make sure that you're okay.
2: Mm.
0: And I, I promise you, those churches that have pivoted that way and have that mindset because there's so much, you lose so much control, but you, you again, the, it, it's either the church is going to grow or you're going to try to control the church and uh, you can't have both. And so it really for us, we know, whatever happens in the future until jesus comes there will be a small group of people that meet and gather and pray and mm. they break bread and, and they fellowship and they and they have moves of god and we've seen that we, we've seen all kinds of different miracles blessings salvation deliverances discipleship just care again for us small group is the front line of care how do you care for everyone when you don't know where everyone is mm. small groups is that is that way that we do that
2: yeah that's awesome so off the back of that, as you could tell in this conversation that uh, you know, Brother Zuniga likes to think outside the box, and this was actually a question from my pastor because I told him that I was going to be on with you, and uh, he's fascinated with your auditorium, the, the fact that it is multi-purpose, that it's not just set aside for one thing. So uh, why is it that you decide to move in that direction to where you know, that sanctuary, the, the biggest part of your church, is actually multifunctional?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, for us, it, it was a really a, just a strategy. Uh, again, uh, it's a, a philosophical approach. Um, you know, I believe in the sanctity, the holiness of, of the, the location of the church, the physical location. I, I believe that. Okay? I believe God anoints locations. I, you know, whether that's Noah's Ark, you know, how do those animals know where to go? God, God led them to the, the Noah's Ark day of pentecost god anointed a location called the upper room and the whole city came to the upper room they didn't have facebook they didn't have you know flyers you know there was something that was truly spiritual that led people to a location i know god anoints the location just so you know give you how important this is to me when we bought this land about 50 acres in the heart of goodlettsville and um we were looking for just a verse to associate it with it somebody Um, brought up the idea of finding the the address of this place is 733. So someone said, I wonder if there is a a chapter with uh, chapter seven with 33 verses. And so we looked at every chapter seven with 33 verses, and there's about five of them in the Bible, okay? But the one that just stuck is Acts 733, okay? And that's the address location here, 733 Old Dickerson Road. 733, Acts 733 is where it's the written account where God tells Moses, Moses, take off your shoes for the land that you're standing on is holy ground. This is holy ground, okay? We view it as holy ground. We know this is a sanctified place. We know God visits us. We know that. But the philosophy is that we want a place where we can use any way we want to. So three three weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, it was our harvest fest. and in, in our sanctuary, you had inflatables. I mean, you had face painting, you you had, uh, you know, carnival games, you had, you know, people um, doing all kinds, of, right in our sanctuary. I mean, you would think, well, man, they've just desecrated. But for us, it's a ministry tool. It's it's how we get people here on campus, and it's how we minister with them. The next day, I mean, uh, turn around, eight-hour, nine-hour turnaround, and it's us chairs and sanctuary, and there's pulpits, and there's mics, and there's all kinds of things. And so for us, it was a Really, it was a strategy, just our, our campus. We wanted to be able to use our campus for anything. In fact, every room in our campus is a multipurpose. Our foyer is a multi-campus. Um, we, we truly want this to be where we can use it however we need to use it for whatever means for the, for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And um, I will tell you, I, I don't regret that. People ask that question, like, do you regret any of that? And uh, to this day, we've been in, we just celebrated 10 years in this building. We're about to go into another building program to build another ministry facility uh, on this campus. And um, for us, we've never looked back. Uh, We've had weddings, we've had funerals, we've had revivals where we've packed this place to where people are sitting in the foyers and overflow rooms. We, we we can do all of that and it's just because we designed this building to do whatever we need to accomplish in this building um it's also a fun a very smart financial thing we don't have you know all the means in the world to buy you know different rooms or different buildings for different purposes we have one building and we got to use that for the glory of God however we can and so uh, it, but it, it allows so much creativity it allows just a lot of possibilities And um, so we never think we can't do that. We always think, okay, we can do that.
2: Yeah, that's so cool. And it's like taking uh, like, you know, I know for our church, I'm not sure how similar it is uh, for you, but I know for our church, the sanctuary is just a huge spot of, of what we actually own of the, of the building. It's a big portion of it, big percentage of it. And so to be able to um, leverage that and be able to use it for more than just Having services is uh, really cool. Really, really uh, outside the box thinking. I love that. You, you hinted at it a little bit earlier that uh, sometimes churches are too kind. They don't have the tough conversations, and you're talking about how uh, combative your meetings can sometimes get. Not where anyone is is being mean to each other, but you know you're challenging people's viewpoints. Um, I, I just love that. But how would you best describe your leadership philosophy when it comes to you know, leading the local church, What what is your philosophy? Yeah, um, you know,
0: for me, I, I always envision it like this. One, you know, there's somebody in the world right now that's burning the midnight oil, that's working so hard trying to develop the next app, the next software, the next game, the next whatever. And um, they're sacrificing family time, health. They're, they're throwing their guts at this, right? And And for me, there has to be somebody that's that passionate about the local church somebody cares about the details the health the vitality it should rival any industry or business there's no nothing like the local church there's no entity society there is no no, nothing like the church the the church stands alone in what it's called to do and its success it's a guaranteed winner if you're going to bet on anything who knows if Walmart will be around, who knows if Amazon will be around. Okay. Again, but the church until the rapture comes, it will be around. So somebody Mm. has to care deeply about it. And there's nothing that, that deserves to be well-run like the church. It deserves great thinkers and great leaders. And, 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 and it deserves that kind of posture of promoting excellence and cultivating greatness and shooting for big aspirations it it deserves that i want to be one of those i i want to testify the glory and the amazement and, and the awesomeness of the church it's a it's a beautiful thing it's the bride of christ it's and it's something that you and i get to share in and so when it comes to the church you know again every generation learns for most generations before me, it it was really the bottleneck. It was the pastor, you know, he made all the decisions, nothing breathed, moved, spent, nobody did anything until the pastors had jumped. When, when there were people that were true leaders and great thinkers sitting there and just saying, man, just invite me to the table, invite me to the conversation. I can contribute. I I see how we can take this. And yet, because there was never, an outlet or never an invitation, you know, churches suffered and died and never became what they would become because uh, of a, you know, just a, a, a hierarchy mentality. I think the church is, is a beautiful thing that has so much talent and potential. And so my philosophy is, man, you, you get great minds and you begin to develop a culture, a team mentality the, the best example, and I use this a little bit earlier, is what I call a constellation of colleagues. Constellation of colleagues. If you just think of the constellation, you know, you got all these planets orbiting around one another, and they and they're beautiful. It's 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 a, it's a wonder to see, and it's a majestic. And and as you, these constellations orientate around one another, it's our solar system, and it's it's a beautiful thing. And yet you could have fantastic leaders that can orientate around one another, that, that, that feed off one another, that, that truly contribute to one another. And all of a sudden you have this truly amazing thing that is being led by great men and women who have a heart for God, who are called, who are anointed, who are skilled and gifted and brilliant and intelligent, and, and they get to add to the conversation. I I think the church should be that way. And so my philosophy is that I'm responsible for people that are in this church and I'm responsible for creating the culture for them to live. And so we have a team led mentality and uh, rarely are are any decisions made without a team wrestling with it and kind of cultivating the ideas, the vision. You know, the vision used to be where it was like the analogy of Moses going up to Mount Sinai and he's getting the vision from God and he comes down and he said, okay, you know, umpteen million people, let's go forward. Well, why can't all of us go to Mount Sinai? Why can't a group of people go to Mount Sinai and and dream together and envision together and own piece of it and be responsible for some of it and, and come down together um i think that's the difference between old and new testament by the way it's like if you read the book of acts it says and and, uh, peter standing with the 11 Mm. it wasn't like peter standing by himself it was on the day of pentecost it's like they all stood with peter as he preached they were they were together they were a unit they were they were a force to be reckoned with and so for me i i think that's a leading guiding philosophy of the church um i think churches need to be just like I said, the constellation has, is a solar system. Your body, my body, it has 11 systems. And when they operate, we have health and we have strength and vitality and, and, and growth and all of those things. But when one of our systems malfunctions or gets sick, you know, you have disease or sickness or death. Well, the church is is, is is a body of Christ. It has systems. And when you can discover those systems and begin to polish those systems and begin to put leaders over those systems, I think sometimes so we don't put leaders over systems because we're intimidated by leaders. But mm-hmm. again, in the right mindset, in the right, you know, again, not just because you're a leader and have skills, you have to have the right spirit. You have to have wisdom. You have to have a reputation. All of what Acts chap- uh, tells us about what leaders are. But, but I, I do feel like... Um, that if the church would let leaders lead, the churches would be dynamic, be healthy. Um, so one of my thinking is that um, insecure leaders are probably the most dangerous leaders in the world. When you get intimidated and afraid because somebody's smarter, thinks quicker, has, it's, it's, it can really hamper and hinder the church. Um, all of us deal with insecurities. Let me be clear, all of us. But man, when you know your role, when you know what you're called to do, when you know your lane, so to speak, it frees you up to let other people run in other lanes, that they 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 can thrive and they can help the church grow and be successful and 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 so um, you know that that's why when you talked about meetings you know you, how could you not have a meeting with great thinkers that don't have different opinions we're, we're not fighting for personality we're, we're it's a conflict over ideas it's conflict mm-hmm. of man let, let's talk and again you don't have to use my ideas there there are many times that we're in a conversation and my idea doesn't see the light of day. I'm not intimidated, like these people don't respect me. They don't, do you know who I am? Do you know, do, I'm a, right, you know, it's like, man, I'm so thankful that you were able to, and leaders have to create that culture. You have to create the culture for people to push back and leaders to, to, to say, hey, have we ever thought about this? You know, could we consider this, maybe this, um, you know, where you're creating a culture where any idea can land on the table um, and any idea can be surfaced. And um, even if it's different than what an idea that I would have, um, I think that's the right thing to do. I think that's how healthy churches. And again, that's certainly what we're trying to do here. We don't always get it right. I want to be clear. There, there are Sometimes we get it wrong. But that's, that's a philosophy I have about how a local church is run.
2: Yeah, I think that's so important that you uh, let leaders lead and people with different personalities and different perspectives are able to bring that to the table. And yeah, you're not that leader if you're the, the head of a department or you're the head of the church, you're the pastor, uh, you're the leader of a group, that you're not the type of leader that just you know, pushes away an idea because it's not your own, but you allow the best idea to come to the top. And then you get behind that idea. Right? Like sometimes people are like, yeah, we'll go with that idea and then try and sabotage it or, you know, <laughs> make it less successful because it wasn't your idea. But once the idea is, is, yeah, once you come to that idea, it's important that we now champion the idea that this is our idea now. We take ownership of it. And uh, that, that's such good stuff you just shared there.
0: Yeah, you know, in a very practical way. I mean, some of this is is not from a lot of your listeners. It's not new thinking, okay? But where I would challenge them is, do you practice this? Like, when, when's a what idea that is not yours that you're a champion right now?
1: Hmm.
0: Right. What, what? Like, who? Who? Who are you breathing life into their dream right now? Right. That. That's. That's where. Um, that. That's where teams start gelling. When I know that, man, you, you got. My support. You're, you're you're with me. You're not with me just because it's the right thing to say. I sense it. You're you pray over it. You you're feeding me ideas. You 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 are you know helping me make this live. That that's the magic of teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish everyone could experience teams like that. I, I wish everyone could thrive in moments where they see an idea and the birthing of an idea. And seeing that come to fruition, and all of a sudden how it begins to change church and culture and advance the kingdom of God. And man, you were a part of it. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it was your idea, but you, you were in that whole process of bringing that idea to life.
2: Yeah. We talked about it a little bit earlier about the pandemic and, and how that it has yeah. affected the church and, and how you guys have actually shifted your focus uh, in, in championing those those three things that you mentioned earlier. What did you learn as a leader in this season? So for you personally, what was it that you learned as a church leader during this chaotic, crazy, uncertain season that, that we're still going through a bit?
0: Uh, you know, um, I think it, did, it tested a lot of our medals. A things, couple things that come to mind is, one, I, I, I learned that I didn't have to know how to get through all of this. I just needed to know my, na- my next step. So to be very practical, we would we would only plan 60 to 90 days. We didn't really know what that would look like, but we're going to try this for a little bit. As long as I felt like we knew our next step, that 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 was the right thing. Again, we may have to do a whole you know 180 or whatever, but I felt like if I knew the next step, that would be one of the things. Um, really, I had I learned to create way more. Um, uh, I guess a space, you know, some some room um, for the energy room, uh, emotional room, um, just time and space. Just because this take a toll emotionally on people. I mean, mm-hmm. fear could really grip people. People begin to, you know, again, COVID's a real thing. My my father passed from COVID. You know, and those are, I'm not making light of that at all. But but you have to give yourself some space. And 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 again, there's, uh, you know, there, there's just some room that you are allowing yourself to, to grow and be healthy. Because I knew if I wasn't healthy, I, I knew there's no way I could lead a healthy organization. The other thing that I, I, I learned as well is that um, you need a calm voice in the room. If I, I knew that my the speed, the temperature that I would bring to conversation could really influence how people perceive or even emotionally felt. And so I knew that all of my conversations had to be just as, as calm as I possibly could be, uh, not knowing, you know, are we, is this the beginning of the end? Is this the mark of the beast? Are we going to burn down? Or, you know, so much racial tension, so much health issues, so much, do we mask, do we unmask, vaccinated, unvaccinated? You know, then back then it was, you know, a real political landfill too. You know, you got, you know, who are we voting for? All of that but I knew that I had to stay calm and my voice had to be calm. I I, I knew I couldn't get caught up in that. And so I think those two things um, really help. I I think the other thing is to stay curious. Uh, You can look at the struggle or you can look at the obstacle, but man, there are so many opportunities. And what are we missing? What, what, What moment is God giving us that if we were smarter or we were, our eyes were opened up, we could see opportunity. So I, I really try to just think of it in the lens that there are so many opportunities. This is a moment for the church. This is a moment for my leadership. This is a moment for me to influence in ways that I've been never been able to, to do. I can change things. I can We can try things because this is a moment and stay curious. And so we We were willing to do that we we tried some things we were we were going to attempt things and and I think that curiosity, that ability to say, "We don't know how this works, but we're gonna we're gonna try and we're mm-hmm. gonna do some things um and some things were a flip of a coin it's it's not like you know you didn't know if it was the right thing you just you're just trying, but I think being able to just continue to stay curious really gave us an advantage emotionally. Uh, the other thing I really I feel like, and not to get too spiritual here, but but uh, this is a moment where I I feel like you needed to dig in your stakes. Mm. I I I I love this because I believe this. Uh, I I don't want to just know this. I don't want to win a theological debate with you. I don't want to win. I'm not here trying to. I, I want to just love this more. I want to love God more. I want I want my walk with God to to flourish I, I want to breathe in his presence i, I want to sense him and um god god gave me something that was just truly and i'll just share this with you to so you know how personal it is to me so when we begin this and you know, then all begin uh, pandemic begin to unfold my micro group my small group started reading revelation you know how coincident you know reading revelation <laughs> in time here we go <laughs> and i didn't know this but i'll go quick um so john revelation one four Talks about you know he's the seven uh, churches of Asia and he's greeting these leaders and he ends verse verse four by saying and from the seven spirits of God seven spirits of God which are before his throne I don't know I've read Revelation a bunch of time but I never saw the seven spirits of God like what is that like are those like is that just symbolism is that just you know is that an analogy you know are these like you know the beast brothers I don't know you know what is the seven <laughs> spirits of God you know. So I just got curious. And so four times John writes about the seven spirits of God, four times, but he never describes what they are. Well, I, I just dove into that. Isaiah gives the best description of what possibly could be the seven spirits of God. It's found in Isaiah 11, 2. And Isaiah 11, 2 says this. He says that the spirit of the Lord would rest upon him and the spirit of understanding and the, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might And the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the seven spirits of God. Okay. Well, from that day on, even today, I I pray that every day over me. What I needed for my leadership was nothing I ever learned in the past. It was not just a practical leadership skill or ability. I needed something otherworldly. I needed to know that there was something about leading the local church that was truly transcendent and eternal and beyond what I can humanly think or conceive. And when I got that verse. I just begin to pray that God, let the spirit of the Lord rest upon me. And there's, there's a whole understanding about that. And I need the spirit of wisdom, which is seeing things from God's perspective and understanding. I I need in the verse that came to my mind is, you know, the sons of Iskar had an understanding of the time and they knew what Israel ought to do. Mm -hmm. I needed understanding. I needed to know what to do. And then he said, the spirit of counsel, how many people are coming to me that need advice and counsel and want direction and need whatever, and and, and, I'm, and now I'm, I feel like I'm, every conversation I'm giving counsel, but there's actually a spirit of counsel, and then the spirit of might, and uh, the the verse that comes to me in the spirit of might is, I can do all things through Christ. That, mm. that spirit, that strength that you don't have, that strength that is not of this world, that strength that is beyond your own, that 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 spirit of God that strengthens me. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength like, oh, man, and and I'm just down. I'm going fast. I'm putting Mm. on the the fast. But every one of these, man, I wade into in the presence of God, the spirit of knowledge. Okay, like now I need to know things I don't know. I'm not a medical professional. I I don't have a political science degree. I'm a pastor, but I needed to know things that I didn't know. I pray for the spirit of knowledge and then the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I didn't know there was a spirit of the fear of the Lord. I know that, you know, I, but I, I knew of the spirit of the fear of the Lord, but that, that the spirit of the fear of the Lord is about priorities, about making sure, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So th- these are like whole lessons that, that, that mm. I could teach, but I'm telling you for me personally, even today, I pray that every morning, God, let the spirit mm. of the Lord rest upon me. I, I don't want it. I don't want it to brush up against me. I don't want to have a Sunday fling. I'm not trying to have the Wednesday stand. I, I want today, I want you to rest upon me. I, I need the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding and the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might and I need the spirit of knowledge. And I mean, I can't tell you how that has kept me in the game. I can't tell you how that has fed me and fueled my spirit as I lead, as I have conversations, as I preach and teach. And uh, you can sense it even now. It's mm. just so real. It's personal, uh, you know. God gave that to me. I'm sharing it with you, but that's mm. m- mine. You know, don't ever read Isaiah 11 eleven two again because that's not your verse. That's my <laughs> yeah. verse, right? It, it's so personal to yeah, me. Yeah, it's awesome. But, but, but that's that's what I think are part of the things that have kept me.
2: Mm, that's powerful. Do you do you have anywhere where you actually taught on that? Did you teach on that to your church? <laughs>
0: I, you know, actually, um, this past semester of small groups, I actually recorded every one of those. So I just took one week and did, okay, let's talk about the spirit of the Lord to rest upon me. And then I talked about the spirit of wisdom and, and what that means and how to do that. So, yes, there, there is a part of it. Um, I don't share it a lot. Mm. Um, I just want to share it with you because it is so personal yeah, yeah. to me. It is so personal that God gave this to me in this moment that I needed for my leadership, that I didn't mm. get in a book, I didn't get in a podcast, that I didn't get anywhere. It was just birthed out of a deeper
2: relationship with God. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this is a final question I ask you before we wrap up, and it's one that I I like to ask a, a lot of the guests that come on the podcast. What is it that drives you when it comes to ministry? When it comes to your walk with God and your ministry, what is it? What is that driving force for you? Yeah,
0: you know, one verse just has, comes out, and um, I think it's in Romans eight twelve or twelve eight something like that. And it's the verse that says you know if you have the gift of teaching then teach if you have the gift of giving give but in that verse it says if you've been given the gift to lead do it with all diligence okay if god's given you the gift to lead then then do it with all diligence i think the king james says rule you rule rule with all diligence years ago I, i i came into a relationship with that verse that that every day i want to honor god with the the mantle that he's placed on my life. And I want to do it well, because one day I'll stand before God and I will give an account for my leadership. And in that day I want to hear well done. But the goal for me is not to hear it just one time, one day in the future. I want to hear it today. When I lay my head in bed tonight, I want to hear the Lord say, well done. You did great today. You led well today. So that is a deep driving force in my, that, that, I want to lead well, um, I'm not the smartest. I wish I was smarter, I'm not the most talented. I wish I was more talented, I'm not the brightest. I wish I had way more insight than I do. I wish I was way more creative than I am. Um, I, I, But I, I just know that one day I will stand before God to give an account for my leadership. And that day I wanna look at him and say, I, I did the best I could.
1: Hmm.
0: I, I, I swung for the fence. I dreamed as big, I risked. I stepped out of the boat. I, I faced Goliaths. I walked in the fiery f- furnace. I I, I I wanted to you to know that I, I love this idea of the local church, and I want to serve her well. That drives me. I don't know how to say it any other way, but that just truly, truly drives me.
2: Yeah, well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. There's so many different things that you've dropped in. Uh, during this time that I know if no one else gets anything out of it, I've gotten a lot out of it, especially that last bit that you just shared. I mean, that w- that will change your life, you know, thinking about that, that each day you want to hear God say, well done for that day, you know. And yeah. sometimes we, we live a life where it's like, uh, well, yeah, that was a wasted week, but I can make up for it. And in the end, he'll say, well done. But how much better would it be to live the type of life where, each day, the Lord is telling you, Well done. You were faithful yep. and you did what I asked you to do. That's so good. Again, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, join us today and for this conversation. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your ministry. And uh, you know, you, you say that you don't have much insight, but uh, uh, I have really, really enjoyed uh, getting to know you over the years and, and talking with you on this podcast here today. I like to get my guests to share a word with the listeners as we go. Yeah. Uh, something that God has laid on your heart specifically for the podcast and those who will listen to it. So if you wouldn't mind, Brother Zuniga, thank you again for your time today. And if you wouldn't mind sharing a word with the listeners.
0: Yeah. Let me just say, Greg, um, man, just so, so great to connect with you. Uh, love you and your family. You're, you're such an incredible leader, great family. I'm so proud. And, just honored to know you. Um, I'm excited about what God's doing through you and, uh, love to, you know, connect with you, uh, every time that happens. And, uh, I pray that that happens more in the future. I'm just a fan. Again, I don't say that tongue in cheek, sincere. I, I, uh, we follow you. My wife follows you guys. Uh, we, we, we know your, your lives, their Facebook as much as we can. And so we're just, we're just want you to know, uh, we're, we're, giving you a standing ovation where we're in your corner we're, we're rooting you on. We, we believe in what God's doing through you and, ex- you know, expecting so many great things. Uh, I think I would close just our th- time together. Um, and again, just want to say, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and, and just privilege to be a part of your podcast, but I, I would close our time and just challenge all of us. Uh, something that has just been really challenging me. And that is just praying for my thinking uh, I, I literally lay my hand on my forehead and just ask God to bless my thinking. Our, our thoughts are going to take us to the future. Uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And God can give you one thought can, that can change the world. God can give you one thought that can absolutely transform a relationship, a future, a dream. And um, and it's our thinking that hinders us from being better leaders And so I've literally just been praying, God, help me to think the way that you need me to think. Help my mind to comprehend, perceive. Help me to cognitively, God, understand things that you're doing. Help me to exercise the power of your spirit through my mind. Your mind is transformed by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So I I would challenge you. If you haven't prayed for your thinking, ask God to start anointing your thinking, to, to challenge your thinking, to stretch your thinking because you're going to be in the future where your thoughts take you. And uh, the church is only going to be as good as its greatest thinkers. And so I I pray that I'm one of them. I want to be. And I pray that you would join me in that, that God would anoint our thinking. And uh, if you don't mind, I would just like to close our time out with a prayer. Um, Lord Jesus, um, I have no idea who will be listening to this podcast. and, And Lord, you alone know. But today, as we just turn our hearts towards you, And we ask humbly that you, God, would see our desire to to be used of God, to be the men and women that you need for this hour. We are not accidentally placed in this time in human history. We're not an accidental presence in our community. We have been chosen. You have hand-selected us, God, to be on your team for right now. And so I pray, God, that you would use us, that you would use us, God, to the fullest of our capacity abilities in God you alone know all of that and so today I speak over our thinking our hearts our minds and I pray God that you would help us to be leaders that are healthy that are humble leaders God that are sincere God and more importantly God that honor you in every decision I pray that you would ordain our steps and our thoughts oh God I thank you for this moment I pray for every leader that's listening that you would give them the strength you know what they need right You know the things they face right now. You know the decisions that they need to make right now. I pray for you to give them courage. I pray that you would bless their thinking. And I ask God for you to be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.